focusing on your relationship, you get more fun stuff, right? Because if your relationship is supported and happy, both partners feel supported and loved by one another, you're not going to get less sex. <laughs> you're not going to get less date nights. You're not going to get less of things that you like to do. It doesn't make any sense. By doing a minimal amount of work, if you consider the amount of time that we exist on the planet, by doing a very minimal amount of work, like a couple hours here and there, that's going to have insurmountable benefits. The human experience is the greatest project any of us will undertake, yet it's often the one we spend the least amount of time working on. My name is Matt Johnston. I'm a self-professed personal development junkie, a retired pro golfer, and I now work for an organization that provides employee and health benefits to hundreds of thousands of people. It should be common sense to realize that what happens at work is what people bring home and what happens at home comes to them to work, but that's too often ignored. That's why each week, I hope to uncover a little more around what it means to be a human, working and living in the 21st century. We'll be learning from experts, having conversations and getting insights into all those things that fall at the intersection of life and work, emotional and physical health, skills and money, all of the relationships we navigate each day, and of course, the purpose and meaning we all desire. This is The Human Assignment. Welcome back to the Human Assignment Podcast. My guest today is Kyle Wright, a therapeutic relationship coach who is a leading voice in the conversation around modern masculinity and transforming how we talk about and work on our relationships, sex lives, and mental health. He's been featured widely in the media, including US News World Report, Bustle, Fatherly Glam, and dozens of other outlets. Kyle and his wife, Rachel, are based in New York City and are the founders of the Wright Wellness Center where they bridge the gap between self-help books and the therapist couch. This dynamic duo has worked with hundreds of couples and have taught thousands of people about healthy communication. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kyle. He's a down-to-earth guy, a former bartender turned relationship coach, and it really did feel like I was sitting across the bar talking about relationships with him. A lot of the solutions that you'll hear in this podcast that he shares aren't rocket science, they're just common sense. As he says, most relationships don't need therapy. They need basic communication skills. Since recording this episode, I've been consuming a lot of the content that Kyle and Rachel have online, and I'd highly recommend you checking it out. They are the co-hosts of the Bachelor-themed podcast, The Right Reasons, and Kyle has a popular podcast called Masculinity on the Rocks. You can learn more about them at therightwellnesscenter.com. That's right, W-R-I-G-H-T, wellnesscenter.com, or you can follow Kyle on his Instagram page at the right underscore Kyle. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Kyle Wright. Kyle, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, man. Super stoked to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for taking the time. I, um, been digging into all your stuff online. I've downloaded the, uh, the scripts, the relationship scripts. I've been going through your podcasts. Yeah. I'm so pumped for what you and Rachel are putting out in the world. And so I'm looking forward to digging into all that. I have a whole list of questions and this, this interview can go in all in, in many different directions. But I thought that we could start by, by asking you if uh, when you're talking to someone in the coffee shop or you, know, you, you run into an old friend, how do you describe what you do for, for a living now? Uh, that's a great question. And it's funny uh, you asked me that too, because I was just talking about this yesterday. Um, I get kind of roped into a conversation I really didn't want to be into in a bar a few months ago. I went out for like a quiet beer by myself, 
and some guy starts talking to me and talking my ear off and he's super rambunctious and a little super hammered and they, you know, I had to basically give like the very modified version of what I did. So for someone who's, you know, clearly intoxicated, so it's a really simplified version of things, and it kind of stuck. So what I tell people is that I help people have happier, healthier relationships. Just blanket statement. That's a hell of an answer. Well, you know, it kind of puts together all things. So long, long, long version of that is that Rachel and I founded a company about four and a half years ago, almost five years ago, called Right Wellness Center, where we help people uh, have happier and healthier relationships by teaching uh, tools and skill sets that really you don't have open access to in our society that actually show you how to have a successful relationship. I mean, there's been research for 50 years on what actually can make a relationship succeed or fail. And yet no one knows about it. Rachel, my wife had to get her master's degree to get it and a license to practice therapy to understand this stuff. And yet it's held behind these bars of, you know, education or licensing or whatever. And, you know, our society doesn't have great access to relationship building tools. What I've loved to this point and in digging into, into your YouTube videos, the two of you together and your, and your podcast is how accessible you make this, uh, this information. Mm-hmm. And part of what, what, to me, what makes it so accessible is that you, you feel like, you know, I, I feel like we could be having a beer right now as we're, as we're talking. So how did you go from, you know, five years ago, uh, how did you turn into a relationship expert and a relationship coach? Well, I was definitely, I was definitely not a relationship expert five years ago. Uh, that's, that's for sure. Um, well, we're coming up on, at the time we're recording this, we're coming up on what our third year in marriage, our eighth year together as a couple. When Rachel and I met, we met working in restaurants. I had been a bartender for a couple of years when we met and I still bartended for the first couple of years of our relationship. So about nine years I spent behind the bar and it was fun. And that's where this conversational ability where I can just, it's like the gift of gab. I can shoot the shit about most things. Like I can sort of armchair expert it, so to speak, uh, around a lot of different topics because that's like the school of the streets bartending. You talk to a million different people in a million different formats and everyone's got a different story and advice and things they're doing. And so I was getting really burnt out doing that. And Rachel had a successful therapy practice in San Francisco because we lived in the Bay Area. And she was getting a little tired of having to deal with the same issue. What would happen is she would have couples come to her and she would start doing, you know, what a therapist would do. And it turns out that a lot of couples who were coming to her didn't need therapy. They needed to learn how to talk to each other. They needed basic communication skills. And so she would teach them that and then they'd kind of go away after four or five sessions or they'd get caught up in the, you know, the supposed to's of therapy and just keep scheduling appointments when they really didn't need to spend the time or money on that level of treatment. They needed the basics, not, you know, a higher level treatment like what you get in a therapy practice. And so I was frustrated. I didn't want to bartend anymore. I was super tired. I was such an asshole to everybody too. I was so burnt out bartending. And uh, both my parents were entrepreneurs and they started their own businesses throughout the years. And I've always wanted to help people feel better. I don't know why I'm so caught up in this idea of better, but I've always wanted to help people feel more comfortable in their lives. And so Rachel and I sort of looked at each other one day and she was feeling unfulfilled by her practice. I was unfulfilled bartending and we wanted to kind of help people feel more comfortable in their relationships. So one thing led to another. I helped her write out the communication scripts you're talking about before we hit record. We built those together as the foundation of our company because that would solve the couples that were coming to her therapy practice. That would solve their problems without them paying for therapy. We could just give them a handout. This is how you talk. This is how you communicate in a way that benefits both partners. And from there, that almost killed her practice like overnight because we rolled these scripts out and everyone's like, oh, that's all we need. So no more therapy, bye-bye. And so we decided to try to sell that and build a company. And one thing led to another. And I've been exercising and practicing these tools for 
five years now. So, you know, long, very long-winded story around how I became a relationship expert from a bartender, but that's, that's pretty much it. Well, let's dig into those tools. Rachel had clients coming to her and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you release these scripts and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as you joke, all of a sudden her, her client list disappears. Yeah. What is in these, these, ma- these magical scripts? Well, and that's the thing is that they're magical in the I'm, way that I'm they- joking, by the way. You know. Oh, I mean, but that's the thing is the magic's there because it's just not taught. The magic is a society's failure, really. So the idea of the communication scripts, it's a basic framework around how to have a conversation where you actually say what you feel and what you mean instead of, well, okay, so there's a really interesting linguistic trick that we do as human beings because the English language especially is a nightmare and people often don't say what they actually feel. They try to use the word feel as a way of explaining a thought. So here's an example of it. I feel like you're being an asshole or I feel like shit when you do this. That's not a feeling. You feel like something. That's a thought. So the communication scripts come with a feelings chart to help you use an actual feeling term. So it's, I feel sad when you X. So it's a way of actually saying what you're feeling and not trying to sort of inception your partner into understanding your, your side of things. So the idea of the scripts is it's a basic format and structure on how one partner can talk to another partner to clearly explain what they're feeling and then what they want out of it. And the other partner has a basic set of instructions on how to listen and what words to use to uh, fully understand what their partner is saying to them. As I was reading the scripts, I was laughing to myself because I am nonstop. I feel, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel X. I feel like I, I have, I know as I'm reading it, it's, it's such common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost hilarious if you to right. see your own tendencies within that. Oh, absolutely. That's something that I've become. The attention to detail and the words that we use has been one of the most powerful things that I've ever learned. Um, and like Rachel and I, we get really, really caught up around a word. And our friends and family hate it, but we're helping them. So you're welcome, I guess, friends and family. The word should is really, really interesting because mm-hmm. it gives up. You think about the way we use the word should. I should do this, or I should have done that, or you should do this. That's not fair. You're, you're giving up control of a, of a situation by saying, well, this should have happened. Well, nothing should happen. That's, that doesn't, doesn't work that way. Like if you want something, you can go do it. You can also learn from a past experience and say, I want to do things differently, but giving up control over a situation, that's what the word should does. So when you start paying attention to little details around how you speak and how we've been taught to speak, because like I said, there's no education on communication out there. Like there's just none. And paying attention to the way you talk to your partner is probably the foundation around most things in relationships coming to a way of improving it is that if you're really, really attentive to how you speak, it's showing really the ultimate respect to your partner and to your relationship because you're being exactly as honest as you can be. And why hide that kind of stuff from your partner? So what kind of clients are coming your way? Like who's, who's downloading the scripts? What are the, you know, what are you seeing? Who needs this stuff? Well, I'm putting up my hand to start with. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is that it's easy to say this. Everybody needs this shit because they don't teach it. Like I was saying, communication, right? So I've taken every single communication class that I could find when I was trying to go to college all five times to try to go to college. College and I don't get along. It's a whole separate podcast. Um, But it's easy to say everybody because it could be really beneficial. And I would say the predominance of our clients tend to be millennials or just outside of that age range on the older side, because um, people in their early twenties really aren't looking for like communication 
skills or relationship foundation work or that it's just not something that you really come across in your 20s very often like especially early 20s um but as time goes on so the millennials right now i think they're 20 23 to 38 is the average age of a millennial so toward the mid the middle age of millennials and the older side and then people in our 40s usually will come to us too and mostly over social media too because part of our uh, work that we do is really showing up as models for the the skills that we teach because we also we talk about how we drop the ball We Rachel and I still get in dumb fights all the time. I mean, that's being a human being we navigate them more efficiently than most because of what we do But we still show up on social media Especially Instagram to kind of model our abilities and skills and the kind of why it's important to do In fact, we live streamed a fight into uh, he had a private Facebook group for a couple of years we live streamed the kind of winding down talking out of a big fight of ours in the group to really show like we're not perfect but we do practice this stuff every day and that's why we're good at it and that's why we teach it and so i'd say mm, millennials to the older age of millennials like lower end gen x and then uh mostly over social media they find us just i think our society is really attached to seeing people do something that we're also curious about learning about if that makes sense yeah, I watched the fight video uh, yeah. before this interview and I loved it. And one of the things that I got out of that is that a skill is something that you practice, that you're, mm -hmm. that you're working at over and over again. I, I, it sounds like you come from the world of sports. I do too. Like To get better, you're grinding day after day. And then mm -hmm. with every up and down, you're back out there grinding every... And, and you, you do, from what I've seen, you, you really are a model of, of that you've got the scripts, you've got all sorts of resources on your, on your site. But one of the things that I'm curious about is, you know, relationships are fluid, right? And, um, you know, you can learn the skills and techniques, but all of a sudden when you become overwhelmed with emotion or, you know, things just don't feel right for whatever, like how, how do you help people through, through that? Like the messy middle when you're just like in it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The messy middle start <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's really, it's a good question. And it comes with something that, well, a lot of the issues that we face in our relationships comes from these weird societal perceptions of you're supposed to be good at it, right? Like you're supposed to be good at relationships when you're married. Like that's the implication. Oh, you're married. Like you've got to be like a relatively functional human being around this kind of stuff. But we're all just kind of faking it till we, in air quotes, make it. Like people kind of put on a facade of feeling comfortable in the relationships. But one of the things that is so helpful, and this comes with, I think people get really caught up in what this sounds like, but taking a timeout is so helpful when you are having a fight or an argument where you're getting caught up in it and you don't see a way out. And all of a sudden, both you and your partner are flooded, which flooding is when you're just seeing red, your ears are pounding, like the blood pressure's up and you're starting to devolve in the argument where it's just a bunch of, you do this, why well, hate that and blah, blah, blah. Taking a timeout, we do this to our children, which doesn't make a lot of sense because children's brains don't really work this way, but adults benefit from a timeout so much more than kids ever could. Taking 15 seconds just to breathe separately in two different rooms, that's a great start. Taking five minutes, even better. Go outside, walk around the block once, and really breathe and then think about what you're actually upset about. And that's a great way of diffusing an argument before it gets really out of hand and you start yelling about people's parents and your mother and this and that. You don't want to get to that point in an argument. So being able to head it off before it gets there is super, super valuable. And honestly, a timeout is like one of the best things you can do. So I'm, uh, I'm 
going to bounce all over a little bit here, but um, one of the things that we talked about before we got on was your focus on millennials. And I'm just curious if there's um, different challenges, you know, potentially different expectations with the millennial generation as you're, Mm -hmm. you know, as you're working with them. Uh, It's really interesting, actually. We've been doing a lot of uh, research on this in the last year or so, because, you know, the idea, I feel like the, the media still uses the term millennial to describe like an 18 year old, which by the way, no millennials, an 18 year old anymore. That's far gone. Um, that when it comes to the millennial mindset, which is kind of my slang term for it, there's a lot that goes into critical thinking and not adhering to societal perceptions. Because if you look at the way millennials are running their day-to-day life, right? They are settling in long-term careers later in life. They are getting married later in life. They're having kids later in life. No one's buying a house. So what, you know, in air quotes, like we're talking about what should be done as you become a successful adult isn't happening because we as millennials, because myself, I'm 32 years old, all right, smack in the middle of it. I think that there's a refusal to accept the status quo. Like this is the way it should have been done, or this is the way it always has been done. You see the millennials really backing off of that because I mean, if you look at what, you know, the shoulds of marriage, right? Divorce rates still up around 50%. It has been my entire life. I remember when divorce started hitting like my small town, because I'm from a small town in Northern California, my parents got divorced and then everybody's parents got divorced. It's so prevalent. So whatever we're saying works for marriage, that's bullshit because it's not working for almost half the country. And so when you see millennials being a little bit uh, standoffish to the way things have always been done, wanting to change, there's always a new article. You can Google it and there'll be a million articles probably. What industries have millennials killed? Well, that's because we don't want to do things the way it's always been done because the way it's always been done has gotten us to this point in our culture and no one's happy. And so being able to approach relationships outside of the very like heteronormative, a guy and a girl get married in their early twenties, then they have kids in their mid twenties, then they buy a house by the end of the 30. Like that's not happening anymore. And so we're really excited to update the way that we approach relationships in a, in a healthier format by focusing on communication, by focusing on what the two people want before they add kids or a dog or a house. Like let's get two happy people happy together first before you start adding all this shit because millennials have student loans in a, on a scale that has never been seen before. So financial stress is a massive, massive hindrance to relationships. In fact, financial stress is one of the leading causes of any form of divorce or separation. So you're already saddling an entire generation with the biggest handicap for successful relationships. And so a lot of what we teach is open communication because these uh, more difficult life experiences have to be navigated. It's no longer one person works out of a three and a half person family and they're able to provide for a house and two cars. Like that's, that doesn't exist. And yet our society has not latched onto that, but every millennial knows that's not life. No one's living that. What comes up for me when you, when you're speaking about millennials, but it's just for, for all of us is that this is like, this is a very proactive um, approach yes. to relationships, right? We spoke a minute ago about the the messy middle mm-hmm. and I think um, like many things in life, but especially relationships, it's when we get into the messy middle that we start taking action. Oh shit, this, you know, we're in trouble here. What do we do? And to this point, what I see in your, in your work. And so I guess um, open communication, this all, all sounds great, but from a proactive standpoint, where, where do we start? That's a really good question. And this is again, a societal thing that is difficult to, to shake off because we're very reactive 
as a culture, right? Like we don't really, human beings don't have to do something until there's a stimulus, like stimulus response. That's the way we've pretty much gotten as far as we have. Um, but what's annoying for me personally, well, and for Rachel, I'll speak for her in this case, we always talk about how annoying this is. Proactivity is taught to us in very inconsistent methods. So almost every single person you ask walking down the street, if they own a car, they know when they got their oil changed last. Proactivity, change your oil. You get that little sticker at the top left of your windshield. This is when you change your oil. Do this. When's the last time you went to the dentist? When's the last time you went to the doctor? Those are proactivity things that we're taught about. And yet, why aren't we taught that about relationships? Make sure you're a happy person on your own before you enter into a relationship. That way you're not reliant on someone else for your own happiness. Like enter into a relationship as a complete person. That's something that's not talked about. We teach proactivity in ways that, yes, this, absolutely, the dentist, very beneficial. A lot of body stuff, a lot of illness comes from the mouth. Super beneficial to go to the dentist. Obviously, go see your doctor. Work out of the gym. That's preventative. We always talk that, about that too, proactivity. And yet, with relationships, it's not taught. So, being able to sit across from your partner and just say, hey, nothing's wrong but we can have more and I want to do that with you. This is something exciting for the two of us. That's a great place to start because you don't know what you don't know until you know it, right? It sounds confusing, but you can't know something until you know it. And so coming to your partner and saying, hey, let's see if there's more. Let's see if we can be closer. Let's see if we can grow. Let's see if we can get ahead of the fight where one of us goes and stays at someone else's apartment for the night. Like, let's get ahead of that by building these uh, reinforced foundations for ourselves and our relationship, because that's looking out for ourselves in five years, the same way going to the dentist every six months is looking out for yourself in the future. If we're trying to teach our society, these ideas of taking care of your relationship ahead of time, I think everyone's going to be a lot happier. Do you have just some use cases, some, uh, some examples of couples that you've worked with that have come to you that, you know, not in the messy middle, but come to you from this place and have had success? You know, and that's the, that's the challenge is that there are not a lot of couples that have come to us that are very proactively minded. We mostly work with couples who are in a reactive place. They are looking the end of their relationship, like right in the barrel. And that's a really hard place to work with people in because once you get to that point, there is resentment. There is just so much built up that has damaged and drained the relationship that more or less bringing it back to life is not something we specialize in because that's, that's where you need real therapy. You know, that's where you need to sit in a room with a therapist, whatever works for the couple. That's a harder place to work from. We have, and we do, but we try to find, usually find people in the messy middle when they're not as reactive. Um, the couples that have come to us though, that want to get out ahead of things, like they see kids in the future, like in the near future, they really want to make sure they're solid. Um, you know, we've done everything from a half day intensive, you know, three hours with us over zoom or Skype. And it's Rachel and I doing two on two coaching with them where they get to pour out what are their upcoming fears, concerns, and we kind of help coach them into, okay, this is what you need to do on a weekly basis to really keep this foundation. This is something that you want to talk about. Make sure you're prioritizing, you know, the two of you on a date night once a week, make sure you're doing this. Meeting people in the middle is so much easier for everyone involved, and yet it's one of the harder uh, things to do because, like I said, our society teaches you to be reactive rather than proactive when it comes to your relationship. As you're talking about the intensive, it sounds scary as shit, one. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> 
but but also what I'm thinking right now is, oh, that would be amazing in because you, you're there as a middle as as a middleman, or you 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 and Rachel are there as you know as 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 a ref in a way, or as a you know as a coach to to guide you through this. Yeah. And I think that w- one of the things that I can imagine would be scary for most people is that you know maybe like we're confrontation is is something that we all we're not good at, which is part of what you're you know you're helping people through, and if you're not confident in being able to navigate through, you know, th- through confrontation, it's, it's scary to even enter in and into it in the first place. Like when I, when I watched your video after the fight, I was like, Oh damn, like these two are, they've got, they've got some skills to, to get to this point. Yeah. Like that seems like a, a leap even to, to be able to, you know, jump into the deep end and say like, this is going to get messy so that it can get better. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, it's all about what you really want in the relationship because I know that I want to be with Rachel for as long as I'm alive, be that the next 10 minutes or the next, you know, hundred years of my life, whatever it is. And so with that knowledge, with that trust in my decisions, I know that whatever happens, we'll figure it out. But the thing is that there is going to be challenge and I'm, you're, you're going to have to put your boots on and you're going to have to wade into the shit often because that's life. Things are challenging. There is, so much that happens in our day-to-day life and our world that we just don't talk about enough. And that's part of why I think our social media is part of how we get a lot of clients is that we talk about the messy metal and the in-between and the challenges that come up in life. I mean, we, when we started our business, we were starting the business, filing for our LLC, planning our wedding, and then we moved out of state in the same three-month period. Like that was so much stress and pressure that of course we had way more fights, like way more stuff was going on. But even just acknowledging that it happens is so valuable. I mean, you talk about the fight video. I mean, you see, we look like shit in that video. My pupils were blowing out and eyes were all red and like a tear streaks my face. Like, we both didn't look good, but that's the point. It doesn't have to look good. You just do it. And if you model it for other people, it's, it's helpful. And I think that that's one thing our culture doesn't like to accept is that, yes, working on a relationship is not fun all the time. It can be fun the majority of the time, but it will suck often. And you just kind of have to get used to doing the hard work if you really want to be in that relationship because the positives will always outweigh the negatives. What about the couples where you have one partner who's into this stuff? Like, oh, like this makes so much sense. And the other, the other partners just, they haven't watched your YouTube videos. <laughs> How do you bridge that gap for, for couples? Well, so, and it, I always, it's a great question. And it comes with a singular frustration of mine, which is in, in the context that you provided, which is the most common one, right? One partner wants to go do some work to grow the relationship, to reinforce the relationship. The other partner is dragging their feet. Oh, why do we need that? I'm happy. Like, aren't you happy with me? Why is it? And then they put it on the other person. Unfortunately, in this specific example, which is very common, the woman in this heteronormative example, it's usually a male-female relationship, and the woman wants to go do some work on the relationship, and the guy doesn't want to. That's super normal. In fact, it's frustratingly normal and it is the majority of the challenge that we face. That's why if you look at our website demographics, it's like 70, 30 women to men coming to our website. Seems with everything we do, our podcast demographics are 70, 30 women to men. It's challenging. I think men are handicapped in our culture right now because we've been told from day one that stoicism and strength and masculinity and you don't have to share about your feelings because if you share your feelings, you're a pussy. Like that's sports growing up, right? Like don't cry, don't do these things. So you have an entire generation of men who are handicapped around expressing their emotions. So when it comes to relationship stuff, they're already not equipped with the ability to even 
go into it. So that's my frustration even building this out. But what we've done in those cases is that, you know, we'll talk to the woman or the partner who wants to do the work in this very, you know, simplistic example, it's the woman. And we'll just say, you know, coming to your partner and saying, hey, I want to grow this. There's nothing immediately wrong. I see things in our future that could be, you know, challenging to go through. What I want to do is to prepare for that. I want to make sure that, you know, if we're going to go take a road trip with our relationship, I want to make sure the car has an oil change. It has new tires, good brakes, and it's all set up to go the distance. And that's what we'd like to do or what I'd like to do for our relationship. Like, do you want to start trying to prepare ourselves for the future? Do you want to grow with me? And one great thing to remind your partner, if you're trying to offer to them, like, Hey, let's go do some work on our relationship. Let's build a foundation. Let's make sure that we're supported and we're able to grow together in a happy way. The stuff you like to do together, that's not going to stop. You're going to get more of it by focusing on your relationship. You get more fun stuff, right? Because if your relationship is supported and happy, both partners feel supported and loved by one another, you're not going to get less sex. <laughs> you're not going to get less date nights. You're not going to get less of things that you like to do. It doesn't make any sense. By doing a minimal amount of work, if you consider the amount of time that we exist on the planet, by doing a very minimal amount of work, like like seconds out of a year, if you think about it in the way of the amount of time you're alive versus the amount of time you spend working in a relationship, a couple hours here and there, that's going to have insurmountable benefits as long as you stick to it and keep doing the work. And like I said, by doing the work on your relationship and by making sure you're supported and happy, you're, you're not going to get less sex. You're not going to get less dates. You're not going to get less things. You're going to get more of those things. And still that can be a challenging thing to explain to people. Um, that's why I was have to break it down into like food and car metaphors because it's pretty easy to understand. When you do put it that way, it, it makes so much sense. And, you know, I think that this, this conversation leads into what your podcast focuses on, uh, masculinity on the rocks. I, I love that. I love the featured cocktail. I might have to, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's 1035 Eastern time. Um, <laughs> but I might, I might have to figure out what the Monday cocktail is after this conversation. But, um, in your bio, it says leading voice around the conversation around modern masculinity. So, so what is modern masculinity and how did you, how did you start talking about this? <laughs> It's a good question. So when I think about modern masculinity, it's whatever you want it to be, honestly, because, you know, you're not going to tell someone how you want them to be like you want everyone to be happy with who they are. And so my struggle around masculinity in general is that growing up, I mean, I always felt different. Like I always felt more in touch with my emotions and they were always kind of really close to the surface, uh, growing up. And I always felt kind of an outsider as a result of that. And as I got more and more involved in the relationship space, I started talking to more and more guys and I kept finding that regardless of age, we all have the same experiences in high school, feeling like someone was kind of mean to you and you feel like crying and you're like, but that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm a man. Like I don't cry. Yeah. We've all felt very similar things. And yet I haven't heard anyone talking about it. And so that was kind of the foundation idea for the podcast is helping guys just feel more comfortable talking about their emotions because it's the biggest hindrance for our business is men being a little emotionally closed off. And again, this is no one's fault. You think about every action movie you see growing up, like the protagonist cries when like his best friend dies and no other point. John McClane is a terrible husband. There's a reason that Holly leaves him and changes her last name in the first Die Hard. That's not a model for a relationship. <laughs> and yet there are no, well, there are not as many 
positive influences in our media, in our culture, in TV, in movies, in music, in books, around what a healthy man looks like who's comfortable in his own masculinity and not trying to live up this 1950s John Wayne bullshit. Because that's not a reality anymore. We're not hunters. We hunt by choice. We don't hunt by need anymore. All these old masculine archetypes don't really play into our current society, and yet society has not caught up because there's still people who expect a man to be able to chop firewood. I've done that. I've done all the, all the normal stereotypical masculine things. I drink whiskey. I've chopped firewood. I've climbed mountains. I've shot guns. I crashed my car when I was 18 because I was stupid. Like All the things you do, right, that <laughs> it's like masculine things, I've done. But the strongest thing that I've done that makes me feel confident in my masculinity is cry in front of Rachel. Being able to cry in front of my wife is so powerful because that's who I want to be, emotionally available. Someone who can be there for their partner whenever they need and who, who I trust my partner to be there when I'm feeling like I need to lean on somebody. Being able to lean on somebody is so important as a human, regardless of whatever gender you identify as. Like, If you can't lean on another human being, that what's the point? We're pack animals. Like we're supposed to be around each other. We're supposed to rely on one another. And yet we just teach ourselves the opposite. And while our culture is shifting post me Too movement, you know, people don't want guys to be dickheads who run the patriarchy anymore. That's shifting. And yet, or let's correct that. Our society says we want men to be different, to be more emotionally available. We want men to be softer to themselves, to others. We don't like this toxic masculinity anymore but no one is saying how to do it. The world says change, no one's saying how. And so the idea of the podcast initially for Masculinity on the Rocks was to take my bartending background and simple conversational tones, just kind of very easy pace of uh, discussion, interview, and talk to people around their experiences of masculinity just to kind of help talk about it more. Like, I'm not trying to solve it. I don't know how to solve it. I have no idea. And yet, just having a conversation period is a great start to it. And like, I don't think I'm going to shift the world, but I'd like to move a little bit of it by just having conversations where guys can say, Oh, I understand. I, I, I feel the way he feels. I remember feeling like that. I can relate to that. And hopefully that opens the door for more men to feel comfortable talking about their feelings and sit down with their partner and say, I was really sad when we didn't get to go do something together the other day, like simple stuff. I love the show too. You have 20 episodes, which I've been uh, nudging you since the start of this conversation to, uh, <laughs> to, to start bumping up. But uh, in hearing each interview with very different guests, you, you get a sense of these, these, these rock stars doing really cool things in the world, uh, but aren't, um, aren't the, this, don't have this closed off um, stereotypical persona. It's, mm-hmm. it's in fact, it, they're, they're, you know, they're very in touch, grounded. So thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's important to have these conversations. And I, I really focus on keeping women commonly as guests on the podcast because it's a very important to have men understand women's perspectives on things. I think that listening to understand your partner is something that Rachel and I teach all the time in our business. But having guys be able to understand like, oh, that's what it is on the other side of toxic masculinity. That's what the actions are for the other people. And if you know we're sticking to a very very broad brush heteronormative standpoint in this conversation but if i as a single guy want to be more successful with women then i'd like to know their experience of things so i know that when i flip off the car who tailgates me i want to know if that's just my own venting of frustrations or if my partner's really going to absorb that energy in a way that's going to be a turnoff long term like 
it's important to know everyone's perceptions and experiences around stuff because I mean, well, how else are we going to learn anything? Like I wasn't born knowing anything, right? You learn all this stuff and only by having a conversation and talking to each other, do we grow? That's how human beings were the apex predators for like, yeah, we have opposable thumbs and we learn stuff. And yet we're expected to be good at relationships and it drives me fucking crazy. <laughs> so you're, uh, you're, um, you know, you're, you're in it every, every day you're in, you're in the weeds, you're, you're producing all sorts of content on this, on this stuff. Like what comes up most for you guys? Like what, what, you know, you're going to, you're going to get off this, this show and I'm sure you're, you know, you're, you're coaching this afternoon and, and producing more supportive material for people. What's, what's hitting you more than anything else? Common issues that will come across. I would say, um, basic, basic communication skills are always at the forefront because like I said, they're not taught. I try to take every communication class that ever was available to me and they're all about being right. I took argumentation, debate, public speaking. All of those are specifically about being the winner in a conversation. And if you view conversation and communication in your relationship in a sense of wins and losses, no, nobody's winning that. Your relationship loses that because I would never want to feel like the victor over my partner in an argument because, I mean, people can be, there can be a conversation where one person realizes their standpoint is actually not one that they want anymore through healthy conversation and dialogue. But I don't want to walk away from something like, yeah, I fucking won that. I was right. Uh, like, why would I want to feel that to my partner? Like, if I'm playing sports and if I'm playing soccer and like I score an awesome goal, I'd be like, yeah, fuck you goalie. I scored on you but I'm not going to do that to my wife. Like that's crazy to have that same mentality or I'm winning an argument because no one wins that. Absolutely. Nobody wins that. You may feel like it in the moment, but you're not going to like it later on when your partner's too afraid to begin the conversation with you. So basic communication skills. And then also, um, as our culture has changed, we are, because you know, women do not stay at home and do all the chores because that's a psychotic concept for people to be like pigeonholed into men don't just bear the burden of making money because that's also crazy to do to any, we're all humans, right? So as our society has changed in that way, the follow-up hasn't gotten there yet to who does chores around the house. How do you distribute day-to-day -day things against making income back and forth? So uh, an organization of household duties is a common thing that we come across actually. We have something called family meeting is one of our free downloads too. That is a worksheet on how to have a once a week meeting where it breaks down everything the two partners are doing. Where are you going? What are your meetings? Where do you need to be? Do you have kids? Do you have pets? How, who's walking dog? Who's taking care of the chores? When's the next bill? When's the next date night? What are we doing for self-care individually and together? There's so much that goes into it. And that's just a healthy conversation to keep having to make sure both partners are on the same page. So I would say communication skills and really just being out of touch with what needs to happen for the household or the partnership to be healthy together. Mm, that's great. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm jotting this down as, I, <laughs> as you're, as you're speaking, um, to start wrapping things up here. I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking about the, I'm thinking about the couple that is, you, you've got two people in a relationship that are working nine to five or, you know, eight to seven or whatever the, you know, the crazy hours they're, you know, in many cases, raising kids and picking up from soccer practice and what have you running in six different directions. Where do they get started? You've got all sorts of free downloads on your site. I'm sure there's a, there's a number of books that you've recommended. You have, you have intensives. What, what do you, what do you offer up to, to that group? Okay. The first thing to do, the very first thing to do, and nothing can happen without this. 
you and your partner, you sit down, you look at your calendars and you schedule a time and you schedule two to three hours and you put on there, we're going to start looking at how we can increase what we want in our relationship. And that's it. You start there. Just schedule it. That's it. Because like you said, there's a lot going on in our lives. It's impossible. I, looking at my calendar right now for the next three weeks, I, I'm not prone to anxiety. I feel anxiety looking at my calendar because there's all of like seven hours that I have free. There's something's not specifically scheduled over the next like three weeks because we're crazy. And that happens to a lot of people. So first of all, scheduling it, that shows so much respect for your relationship because you're appropriating time, which is really the only resource we have is time. Money's a construct. We created that. It doesn't actually exist. Like we just made it up, right? Money. Time is the only thing we really can control. So you separate time for you and your partner to sit down. Then when you're in that space, it's real separation time. If you got kids, babysitter or a different room. You got dogs, take them out before so they're not bothering you. Turn your phones off. You spend those two hours or three hours or however much time, 20 minutes. If that's all you can spare, 20 minutes, you look at what you want to do for your relationship and you start building it. But it all starts about, it all starts with separating the time out of your schedules to show that you two are prioritizing your relationship against anything else. Because if you don't have that time, you can't start working on your relationship. So by controlling your time and by giving the respect and time that your relationship needs is the great start because from there, everything else can start falling into place. You schedule the first one. You take that time to figure out, okay, what are you interested in? I want to learn about this. I want more of this. I want more of this. Okay, let's schedule the next time we're going to do this. Is it in a week? Can we not schedule for two weeks? Okay. Let's see if we can get 10 minutes in between this one and the next one. And all you want to do is start scheduling it because it's often the only way you can have the time that you need. Awesome. Well, Kyle, I so appreciate you being a part of this. What I've loved about this interview and all the things that you and Rachel are both producing is how accessible it is and mm -hmm. how real it is. It's not high level. One of the things that you, that you talk about in your, on your site and in your bio is, is bridging, bridging the gap. And you're, you're doing a hell of a job of that. So I just, uh, I really appreciate what you both are doing. And I encourage anyone who's listening to, to check you out. Where can people find you, Kyle? Uh, so honestly, the easiest way to do it is either go to our website, which is rightwellnesscenter.com. It's right with a W, so W-R-I-G-H-T, wellnesscenter.com. But the best way to do it really is, uh, it always sounds funny saying social media and Instagram, like, oh, find me on Instagram. Um, but that's usually <laughs> the best way we do things. So we have uh, Right Wellness Center on Instagram, just at Right Wellness Center. And then for Rachel and I, it's at the right, so W-R-I-G-H-D underscore Rachel, and then the right underscore Kyle. Super simple, super straightforward. We're not like not like a cool Instagram screen name. I don't know. Just made sense when we did it. Um, check that out. We got a lot of cool stuff coming out. We have some millennial specific resources, which is also a joke because anyone can use them. We're just targeting specifically millennials in our current uh, next thing that we're doing. And on October 17th, we are teaching a free workshop, uh, which is basically going to be the five traits that uh, successful relationships need to thrive for 2020. So it's going to be a lot of communication skills, uh, a lot of ways of listening to people, which is also a huge part of communicating. We always think about communicating being the one to talk, but listening is also a massive part of communicating. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be on October 17th. I think we're going to do the live workshop twice that day just to make sure we can bounce in both time zones. Um, so if you're interested in that, go ahead and check it out. We'll have that on our website and on our Instagram accounts. And other than that, 
Um, Masculinity on the Rocks, the podcast, will come back later this year, I believe. And if you're a fan of the Bachelor franchise, we also have a uh, YouTube show and podcast called The Right Reasons that will come back next year when the show comes back. Very cool. Well, Kyle, thank you again for, for being on today, for taking the time and for all that you're doing. I look forward to, to joining a workshop. I look forward to continuing to dig into to your material and learn and um, to be continued. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate uh, all of it. The questions, everything. It's been super fun. Thank you.